Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, August 6th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 176. That kind of works Bicentennial out. Bicentennial podcast No, that's, well, that's not remotely. That's not it. That's not... It. It's 76! Spirit of 76! You know what the, you know? So the, okay. 200 <laughs> is why that was 76 that year. Yeah, no, I know. Okay. It's bicentennial. Right. Yeah. Rob is looking up into the distance. <laughs> Rob is here Rob's in the studio. Rob's a historian. Oh my God, I'm where the magic happens. Where the magic happens, where the audio fights is. Oh. You might notice that this audio sounds different, and that's because of the ghosts. Our mics have, are broken. We have ghosts here. They live here now. They live here. They probably always lived here. This used to be a DIY venue, this building. And my understanding is Vice was like... Sorted right, that right. <laughs> well, oh. There is... My understand. I wasn't here. My understanding is there is some lingering uh, distaste about turning a DIY venue into an office. Mm. Even for a company that's Vice, which is like historically has a very DIY youth, vibe. Youth culture. Youth culture. Yeah. So maybe there are some some ghosts of audio engineers past who are haunting our equipment. I'm like, no man, like you this should be a fucking punk show. We gotta add some line noise. Little do we know, do they know we are the punks. We love a vice at this point. Please, vice punks. The ghost we honor like, you. you guys need a wall of sound. Let me just crank on this compressor here. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Obviously those are the voices of Natalie Watson. Hi, hi. Rob Zachney. What's up? And Danielle Riendo. How you doing? We are all here in the studio today. We are all looking at each other face to face. New York Rob is here. New York Rob. New York, New York Rob. Oh, yeah. New York Rob. New York wait, Rob. Wait a second. So not LA Rob. No, LA Rob's in LA. Oh, right. Sorry. New York Rob is here. You know, New York Rob. I should have known New York Rob was here when I checked Twitter and saw that New York Rob was hanging out in Lincoln Center, yep. going to see plays and shit, going uh-huh. on walks through the, the park. Such a different person than L.A. Rob. Tell me, Very. New York Rob, how's your visit been so far? Uh, well, it's been sort of a bit of a New York renaissance, uh, oh, really. Of course. <laughs> uh, no, it's... Like, I came down here and I had a weekend to sort of kill, and I've spent a lot of it uh, visiting various, like, museum exhibits, and I uh, saw My Fair Lady at Lincoln Center uh, yesterday. I am so outstandingly impressed by yes. you. <laughs> so many people, so many people by which I mean me, go to a place like I'm going to put two extra days on this trip before work just so I can like feel things out a little bit. And by that, what I mean is like my hotel room has a hot tub. In it. <laughs> I'm going to just relax. I'm going to watch the NBA finals. I'm going to explore that room right now, service. I'm going to explore. I'm going to explore the room service menu. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're actually doing the thing. Well, like 
certainly definitely had like a clarifying journey down here. Yeah. Uh, oh, you almost died. Yeah, like I, I decided to drive. And I was going through Connecticut and hit like torrential like downpours, oh, yeah. uh, which were like so bad, like so bad that like could not see anything around oh. me. Like it was whiteout conditions. Uh, there was a point where like went over this little ridge, and there were cars nearby, like within six car lengths of me. Went over this little rise. They all went over. I followed them over, and I was gone. Like it was oh, like the fog God. just sort of swallowed them up. Oh. Uh, and it was like that for forty minutes, where I'm just driving like white knuckle through like massive standing water. Yeah. Can't see out my windshield. Oh. Uh, you can't see the signs for rest stops to pull over until they're already like past you. Uh, so it was just like forty minutes of like I would do anything to get off this road right, right. now safely, uh, but I can't. So I just need to continue like looking at ways, telling me this road is straight, so I'm going to trust that and continue pointing the car straight. <laughs> the 2018 of road trips. <laughs> Just oh, like, yeah. I can't yeah. see what the future holds. It's scary. I just gotta keep going forward, I guess. Your phone. Faith in your phone. But I got down here and, like, the sun came out. I was in a hotel room and I was like, fuck it. I'm gonna... I'm just gonna have my New York experience. I'm gonna walk that fucking Brooklyn Bridge. Never done oh, it before. Nice gonna do it. Did you yes. like it? Uh, I did. I wish I was able to do it, like, Earlier in the morning oh, or something. Yeah. Because, it's a little warm. Yeah, it was really warm. and Bring all your that. own rainstorm. It's all <laughs> sweat from being outside right now. Yeah. But I think it was also, it was a walk that made me realize how much, I think, Instagram and, like, selfie culture has have just changed what public spaces feel like oh, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really crowded on that pedestrian walkway. It's yeah. gorgeous. But... Everyone is out there, like, taking their selfies, and there's a lot of, like, you know, gaggles of generally young women, uh, like, taking turns getting their iconic, like, you know, me and the Brooklyn Bridge and the New York skyline. Don't hate the hustle. Yeah. Um, Gotta look good, Rob. Gotta look good. Also, you were posting photos. (laughs) You were a part of this. Uh, New York Rob is not immune. No. No, and that's the thing. Look, there's there's an element of hypocrisy there. But (laughs) as long as we can recognize it. Yeah, but at the same time, like, it's a slightly, it, like, it's it was a striking thing that agreed to what you were walking through people's, like, ongoing photo shoots. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they're sort of, like, just stepping out into, like, foot traffic or, like, you know, nearly knocking, knocking cyclists sure. over uh, to get there. I saw people doing some scary, scary shit, too. Like, people hopping onto the girders. Oh, above, my God, like, bye. Oh, my God, to get there. Oh I was God. like, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, it's... It's going to be a good photo. Like, right, I get the bikes. But, but I, I was like, young lady, get down from there. <laughs> <laughs> right, you, are, you are one stiff breeze away from being... <laughs> were, you, did, were you so taken by My Fair Lady that you decided <laughs> to, to, to LARP and to step into the character? Young lady. How many people's grammar did you correct? <laughs> well, that's just, that's just me every day. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so, no, uh, yeah, it was, it was gorgeous. Like... I enjoyed walking back home at night along the Manhattan Bridge a little better because it was sure. like higher, it was cooler, it was empty. Yeah, it's a good view. Um, yeah, like it's it's really peaceful and beautiful. But yeah, I went to um, the new museum. Love the new museum. Oh, nice. What did you see? What was uh, what were the exhibits? There's uh, there's a variety of exhibits. The one that really jumped out uh, for me was the uh, John Acumpra exhibit, um, which he is. Um, uh, what, what's the way to put this? Uh, almost like an audio documentarian. Okay. Uh, and a lot of his work centered on the experience of minority and black communities in Britain in like the 70s and 80s. But what they have at the New Museum are these uh, AV installations. And they're really striking. Um, 
basically you'll have like two or three screens and just a really rich like soundscape behind it like uh the two the two that jumped out at me were um one was transfigured night which is a juxtaposition of pictures of um like modern life and then and including some modern life like in Ghana for instance and then uh archival film of visits from like the decolonization period uh in Ghana's history and it's sort of it is bookended by two visits in very different times uh to the Lincoln Memorial and it's one of those things like the first time like it was interesting being there people like sit down and they're like okay it's a navy installation they watch for 5 minutes and leave you really do need to just like give yourself over to it and just experience it. Yeah. Uh, Cause like after it looped, like I watched it a couple times, like the ending of it becomes so powerful when you see the modern shots of mm-hmm. the visit to sure. the Lincoln mm-hmm. Memorial. And at that point, the meaning of the entire work has become clear. Right. Um, and then the other one that is really, really cool and a little more accessible maybe is um, Stuart Hall and unfinished conversation. Stuart Hall was uh Sort of a cultural critic and historian. Such my jam. Stuart Hall is like an icon for me. Like I don't have many. Dude, you got to get down there. I absolutely will. Because it's 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 biographical. So it's right. him talking about uh, growing up in Jamaica. Yep. Um, but it's also sort of weaving together the entire context in which his career comes up. Uh, so again, around around decolonization, around uh, the Suez Canal crisis, mm-hmm. but also just talking about like, um, like there's this devastating moment where. Uh, he is back in Jamaica visiting, and he's talking about politics in Britain, which at that point were very divided over uh, how Britain was reacting to the influx of West Indies uh-huh. uh, immigrants who were themselves subjects of the British Empire. Right. So it yeah. wasn't like right. to people from the West Indies, they were like, "This isn't. We're not immigrants. Immigrants like this is. We're, we're all." We're all British to an extent. That was a bit how Stuart Hall felt. Right. And he gets to Britain, he realizes that's 100% not true. Right. But he goes back to Jamaica, and his mother, who was, I believe, like from, like, I think his father was uh, white, or at least very light-skinned Jamaican, and his mother was black. And his mother's like, I hope they don't think you're one of those immigrants. Oh, wow. And, like, it's this, it's this devastating moment where, like, her, like, it's already established, like, her entire life was sort of, like, really marked and marred by the lack of opportunity afforded to darker skinned women in Jamaica and like was kind of embittering. And here, you know, one of the reveals is it completely like sort of turns her politics. Right. Uh, This is super fascinating given the current conversations around the Windrush generation stuff in the UK, Jamaican uh, uh, immigrants whose status is currently being, or like children of Jamaican immigrants Mm -hmm. whose, whose legal status in uh, the UK is being threatened uh, as they are not able to produce po- proper documentation for like, Jesus. like no, of course they weren't able, aren't able to produce p- proper documentation. the The documentation that was given at the time was so rushed and so like yeah. uh, like unfinalized and and all over the place that like as is often the case with like kind of immigration through the margins, immigration uh, of decolonized decolonized places, stuff like that. It's just like such a interesting timing i would say for for to do a, an exhibit on hall especially when it's so biographical right yeah um but also very like very stylized as well mm-hmm. like the the other cool thing is the archival photography they found is tremendous mm-hmm. like that like if you like shots of like old industrial britain um and mm-hmm. like sure just the like the, there's the shot of um stokers going around and walking in a giant circle all grabbing a shovel of coal walking back to the furnace and tossing it in 
And it's this like hypnotic, uh, hellish photo you see. Um, and then I had the classic wanting to get into a fight with somebody outside a museum exhibit. Yes. Because, uh, like, what happened? New York Rob. Yeah. Hell yeah. Culture this, and passion. This fucking guy. Hmm. Were you this, the museum police, Rob? No, I just. I often am the museum police when I go to museums because whenever yeah, I see cop. people touching shit. Or I just no. He just wasn't being respectful. This is up an here. ideological okay. issue. Well, yeah. Okay. His brain. Yep. Okay. Because we get out of this thing, and he's like, "I just don't see why it couldn't have been a documentary. Like, I don't see why that had to be three screens. Like, what did it really add to any of this? Like, you could have just put this on like PBS or something." And well, if you read Storthal's classic encoding <laughs> decoding, you would understand there is no such thing as pure communication of details. And that the the the, the way that you communicate. Mm-hmm. So you would have gotten but, in the fight too, is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But also, right. I'm like, I'm sorry, but here's the thing: there is an there is an ad, there there's an right. effect yes. created yes. by the three screen presentation exactly. having this rich soundscape and weaving together. Yes. You know what? It could have been a documentary, and it would have been a documentary that would have had a very different impact and feel of because course. it would have been a very traditional impact. But like, I'm sitting there, and I've had like two experiences that like almost moved me to tears. And, like, this fucking guy is, like... Could have been on Netflix. (laughs) I just don't understand. He didn't justify the use of that medium. And I'm, like... You fucking right, games up, crit back of shit. <laughs> I just don't understand. It's not in, it doesn't lean into the interactivity of the oh. medium. Like, fuck yourself, Was he wearing man. a fedora? Uh, Did he tip his hat? No, he no, was... No, this, this is less that. I think Rob is painting the picture of, like, 2008, 2009 era, like, game blogger who... Yeah, but he, he was very, like... Oh, okay. Not, he, not a fedora, but, like... That type. Grungy, lank-haired, white intellectual. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, but like, that's totally what I'm... Motherfucking yeah. loves Metal Gear Solid 2. And just monologuing <laughs> oh, to the two women that he was with, too. Oh, and good. And being like, I just don't see what was, what was powerful about that. And I'm like... Because you, se- you spent the entire time you were sitting there trying to be smarter than the thing you were fucking watching. Ooh. Oh, man. Welcome to New York, Rob. Fuck that guy. Thank you for, for giving us the, the breakdown, the debrief. Yeah. Oh. Thanks for making me mad, but also I should get to the museum and see that exhibit. Also, let me let me recommend this to you. Yeah. The Williamsburg Bridge. For good views and it's never super crowded. Oh, uh, yeah, I that that I uh, walked across a couple times last oh, cool. year. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Um All right. but yeah, it's it's fun. Uh I I would say I, I have trouble uh it feels like it's harder to get to cool things than across the Williamsburg Bridge. Like you got to walk a little farther off each. Oh yeah, to each get one is cool very. There's like a whole half mile yeah. of bridge, even once you're past mm-hmm. the island on that one. But yeah. But the last things I did was um, a listener pointed me to a brutalism exhibit at Ooh. the uh, New York oh, MoMA. Right. I saw that. Yes. 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 Very. No, it's very cool. Yeah. Um, if if you like, you know. Brutalist architecture and uh, sort of avant-garde uh, mm-hmm. architecture. It's it's well worth a visit. I'm not sure it actually turned me around on brutalism. I was going like, to say like because my understanding is that that exhibit is the goal of that exhibit is to recontextualize brutalism in a way that makes it like kind of detethers it to what we think of as really oppressive politics and actually tries to understand it as being like a very materialist in the right in the good sense. Uh, uh, and so, and Style? there's some amazing stuff that like does mm-hmm. like oh I didn't realize it could be this beautiful. There's also a lot of like somewhat oppressive looking because 
there's it's not just I, I don't think it's just context that like ah it's Eastern European architecture of yeah. course it like you know smacks of oppression and such <laughs> I don't think it's just that I think there's something about the way concrete wears and so like large expanses of like you know dingy faded or crumbling concrete in like these huge constructions that begin to feel like but that's the truth of the situation Rob that's what makes it honest. That's why brutalism works. Mm. If, the, if the infrastructure fails, you can see it failing. It isn't hiding. And so that means you have to like push your, your local I got to it, fucking fix yes, it. Yes, I, I was thinking about this, though. But that's the problem. Is like this, this did seem like an architecture that works well if the society always works well. Like capitalism right. is very good at concealing its failures. It sure yeah. is. I'm real like, good at that. Oh, what happened to that neighborhood? I don't fucking know. What happened to that DIY about, venue? Well, <laughs> a place of employment. Right. But, like, monumental, brutalist architecture, it's like, oh, there it is. Right. Like, boy, the Ministry of Transportation is not what it used to be. <laughs> right. And, like, okay, now we all live with this massive, like, metaphor for the crumbling <laughs> of our aspirations. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, and saw My Fair Lady, which is, like, my favorite musical. Nice. And uh, it rocked. Well, welcome again to New York. I'm glad to have you here. We're going to be playing a lot of Stellaris yeah. and talking through what the architecture of the future should look like anyway. So. Will, will New York Rob show up for that? Uh, New York Rob is here and always among you. Oh, Doesn't mean that maybe we won't have to kill as many people. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, well, if we have New York Rob... <laughs> Like, oh, no! <laughs> Rob's giving a thumbs down. Well, hang on, let's remember why you summoned New York Rob. I know. Oh boy, I know. That's true. I know. We'll get there at some point today. The general we will, get there. will also show up tonight. Oh, Natalie, I know that you didn't necessarily have as life changing. Maybe you actually had a more life changing experience because again, I have some some messages from you in our Waypoint chat uh, <laughs> that were very uh, just effusive in, in praise and and in pride. Over finally conquering Hollow Knight. I did. I did it. I finished it. Um, finished it. Like you did every boss that you could do. Every you did the boss. Trial of Fools, the level 30. Or I, level did. Fool, like, I did. The oh. only, I did. There's only one boss I did not do in the game, and it's because I chose a path that led me away from that boss. That like locked out that boss. Uh-huh. Which boss was that? That was the Nightmare King Grim. Okay, I watched that boss fight. Wow, a that's cool a fight. name. It's fucking That cool. boss fight is. Like a bullet hell style. Oh. Um, it's very like dependent on RNG, so mm-hmm. you really just have to be super reactive. And I, I kept thinking that that boss fight was the first Grim boss right. fight because every time I'd look up like Grim boss fight tips, because that it's the same boss, just mm-hmm. the Nightmare Grim does two masks of damage. Um, so I kept looking up tips for it, and I was like, God, this so hard this is so hard this is so hard and then i beat grim and then they were like all right go get more flames and i was like what and i was like you only oh. beat the the troop leader grim or whatever yeah. right but you didn't beat true the nightmare grim first no no oh, i don't know oh, so yeah so the nightmare king grim is like the next sort of stage after you like fully upgrade your Grimkin, which is like this little companion that they give you when you summon the troop to um, the, uh, Hollow Nest. Um, is it also, Hollow Nest? Also, Kim Killing. Yeah. I think Kin. I think Oh, Kin. sorry. I think you said Kim. Yeah, Grim Kim would be a really good Twitter handle for Kim Kelly. Yeah. yeah, it's literally. Oh, is it Grim Kim? Is yes, that? Okay, that's well, there you go. That's what it is. That's really good. That's really sorry, good. I got really excited really there. Good. Anyway. Um, so anyway, uh, so I, I decided to go on a path that led me away from the Nightmare King Grim, which I won't spoil. 
here, but I will spoil in our spoiler cast, which should be later this week. I hope so. Um, I watched a bunch of lore videos about the Nightmare King and about. I, just, I love all of that stuff. the troop lore. It's the troop really lore cool. is really, really cool. How do you feel about, like, what if hell was a circus that came to town and made a bunch of fucking noise? And also, there's, like, weird cyclical birth and, and death and rebirth of, like, the hell Carnival? creature. It's kind of Carnival. <laughs> Carnival's go. so good. It's real good. Carnival's so good. Carnival <laughs> rewatch podcast when? Right I mean. Riverdale. Okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Of course. Um, um, Archie first. Yeah. Yeah. In all things. Archie first. That's the foundation of his first, like, Imperium, right? Right, like, yeah. Yes. Archie right. among equals. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, What's the fucking QAnon bullshit? Uh... Where we go one, we go all. Where we go one, we go Archie. There oh, you go. yeah. It's perfect. Q on on. Q Archie on. That's, yeah. yeah. Is there a Q character in Archie in Riverdale? Like a Q-like character. Like a Q-like character. I guess it's... Anyway, we're going to keep moving. <laughs> oh, it's Hiram. In oh, it's Hiram. Oh, sure. Fuck Hiram. Anyway, we have to do it. We have to. I think I know the day. But we're gonna, I think I know also, we need to talk about your transcendent game finale experience. Yes. yes. Um... So there are three possible endings in Hollow Knight, and I did the first two pretty easily. So there's a thing where you can get all three endings. There is a thing you where you can to... get all three endings in one save file. Right, right. So I was on the third ending, which is the final true true boss, um, because of course there is a pure way to play this game. There is some sort of true trueness, um, but. I finally beat it this weekend. I've been trying to beat it for, like, a couple weeks, I think. I think it's been, like, a week and a half that I've been trying to beat this last boss. Is it a situation where you just, like, pick up the Switch and give it two or three tries and then put it down? Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, and I picked it up on Saturday. Or I think it was Friday, maybe. I picked it up. I gave it one run. I was like, not the run. This is terrible. And then, and I haven't, the thing with this boss is I haven't been getting very far in fighting this boss every mm -hmm. time I fight it. Like, every time I fight her, um, the Radiance, I never get to the second phase. Um, so, which is really tough in a game like this because it means you can't practice the second phase. Exactly. Like one and of those things where, oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you also have to go through, the Radiance is, is access, so... Uh, I guess spoilers for light spoilers light for spoilers how you for access this this boss. Right. Um. The the radiance is accessed through the first final boss, so you have to fight the oh, final wow, boss really? every single Fuck time. That you... there's no save in between. No, because you <sighs> don't tell me the okay. specifics. Okay. Like, that sucks. Yeah. So you have to fight the first boss every time you want to access. Bloodborne's doing it easy by you, honestly. Yeah. Like comparatively, even like the true final boss of Bloodborne. Isn't the situation where you have to right. refight the regular final boss of Bloodborne? Yeah. Right. Right? Yeah. No, you just walk in there. You have to refight the. Yeah, I don't know why I'm remembering it weird, but. Well, there might be like a first stage, second stage thing, but this sounds like there's yeah, a, yeah, whole yeah. Mm -hmm. a whole boss and then. A whole boss and then a whole boss. A whole boss that does have multiple stages. Yeah, yeah. That's mm -hmm. brutal. Yes, that's a lot. Like, I'm curious what, like, what's the, what's the hook for you to, like, Keep Put going. yourself through all this. Because, like, you're at that breaking point with Bloodborne. What got you through uh, Hollow Knight? I think just being so much more invested. Like, I feel like with Hollow Knight, 
I had, I had the ability to just keep going in a way that I don't. And this is the whole blood vial mm -hmm. conversation. And every time I hit a boss that I was just stuck at, I could at least just keep like in the repetition of it, just keep going and going and going. And a lot of times that was the thing that like made me finally get just like memorizing those patterns and having that enough time to just keep um, re-attacking the same thing. Um, with Bloodborne, you are not allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. Just the game does not allow you to do that because of the healing mechanic of the game right, with the blood right. vials and everything like that. But in Hollow Knight, everything is contained, like, your healing is, you already have it. You just need to, like, gain soul to, like, be able to do it. And there's a way to make that much easier in late game stuff. So whenever I just, like, I got really good at beating the first boss. Like, the first boss became, like, cake for me. Okay. Um, so it was just a matter of like I need the time to quickly run through that first boss. Yeah, but that's not a challenge. Right yeah, yeah, definitely not a challenge unless I was just being kind of sloppy. But right. it's definitely not, not, a, not. I've fought harder. There are harder bosses in that right. game than that last boss. So when I finally got to Radiance, I wasn't getting very far. And then on my second run on Friday, I got to the third. I got to the second phase for like the second or third time, which I would never do. Right. And then I was just like, is this? Is, did you ever just make the decision? Run? Like, I'm gonna win now. Like, you're just like, oh, this is this is the, this is it. I'm gonna win this time. I was like, it was really funny because my um my boyfriend and his like music collaborator were working on music in the in the apartment. And I was just like in this like uh my boyfriend's apartment is situated, so like the bed is like a cubby almost. So I had like the curtains drawn. <laughs> And I was just, like, in full darkness with headphones on. And I was just completely, like, no one knew what I was, I was just, they knew I was playing games. I don't know. Secret yeah. Hollow Knight. Um, I was just going in in this um, in this run. And then I just, in the second phase, I had this, like, sort of moment of light. I was like, this might be it. This could be the moment that I just, I, I beat Radiance? Question mark? And I did it. And then I, like, yelled out, but they <laughs> both had their headphones, their noise-counseling headphones on. So I was like, I did it, I did it! And I, like, didn't hear anything. I was like, what? And I, like, opened the curtain, and they're just, like, in their in their own boss oh. fight. And this, I was this is, like, like, one of the most modern things. This is yes. almost, like, Tati-esque, uh -huh. like, satire. Yes. Black Mirror like, Season 4. Yeah. Um, none of us speak anymore, and one person finally yells out, but no one hears them. <laughs> Uh, this is the contrasts with you playing the game here at your desk, where you <laughs> yep. literally two or three times last week went, <gasps> or like, ah! And like, me and Danny have to like twist our heads over, what? What's, What's happening? happening? Are you okay? And like, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. So I'm curious, having done that, yeah. was it just like a, here's your sticker, kid, you beat the game in the hardest, or did it also like... Unveil something about the game. Oh yeah, no. The there's there's another like lore ending, and then there's also a third, a, a fourth ending that I you get because I did something in uh, right before fighting Ooh. the boss. So there's like a little thing you can do, and then there's like an uh, an after after ending. Um, but yeah, so there is like a new sort of like lore thing that's revealed at the end. That was fulfilling and satisfying, not just, like... So fulfilling. And, like, even though I had already kind yeah. of known... I hadn't watched, like, what exactly, like, the last ending sort of cut screen would be. Um, 
but I knew what the lore was because I've been watching, like, Austin and I have been watching, like, tons of Hollow Knight lore videos, and it was still... (laughs) Don't give me that look. I'm not going to finish that game, but I want to know what happens. Yeah. It, um, it still was so satisfying, and I'm... Honestly, very, very sad that I finished the game. Like, I, it is one of those games that I, like, what do I do now? Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't, like, I've been, like, I picked yeah. up a couple games over the weekend. I picked up Celeste. I picked nice. up, uh, I tried out Enter the Gungeon. Okay. And then I started New Breath of the Wild file. Hell yeah. <laughs> you, Breath of the Wild. You've been busy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I played a lot of games this weekend. Um, Breath and of I the think, Wild seems like a good Palette cleanser in a really good way. Those three, in a weird way, feel like you are finding different things about Hollow Knight in each of them, like with platforming, with Mm -hmm. difficulty, with like sort of Twitch skills, and then with the like world and lore and like kind of openness of totally. I think you're trying to make a Frankenstein version. I am definitely, definitely. I play Celeste for like thirty minutes. I die like two hundred times, and I'm like, all right, I'm done. Try to (laughs) enter the dungeon. I die. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Play Breath of the Wild. I'm like, ah, right, peace, Yay. exploration, exploration. I replayed Breath of the Wild so fucking um, bad. So yeah, so I think Breath of the Wild is going to be the thing that takes it kind of. I'm just that's going to be the next thing I pour into. You've for, not beaten that game, right? You've, you've like no, I haven't. I twenty thirty hours into it. I've over fifty hours into it. Okay, not nice. that game. Yeah, I mean, so. That's, that's how that game goes. That's how that game goes. Rob, did you ever wrap that one up? I know you put some time into it. No. Okay. I'm sorry. I was I was just really distracted thinking about brutalism. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about like the honesty of brutalism. What about like, hmm. the brutalism? Zelda with brutalist design. Ooh, that'd be really satisfying. Yeah. It Wouldn't would that be, be amazing? God damn. Yeah. All the dungeons are brutalist structures. Well, I, I don't want it to be the dungeon. I want it to be the towns. I want it to be like. Oh yeah. I want the, the whole thing maybe. I want, there to be like, I want there to be like give. I mean, the arc there is already really interesting architecture in like Breath of the Wild. Sure, of course. But, like I want like varying architectural styles that really reflect yeah. a wider. Or not that there isn't already an interesting array of architectural styles like Terrytown's weird modular homes versus oh, yeah. Yeah. the like the huts of uh, what is the little the little fishing village called. Oh, um, I always forget his last place I found, exactly. but you know, like that. It's L something. Right? Yeah, uh, Laurel, Laurelin, 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 something, something like that. Anyway, yeah. Lorelai, Lorelai, that Gilmore the, Girls. Gilmore, that sounds like a Gilmore <laughs> Girls. That's, what that's that where is. Link goes to retire. Um, like a Gilmore Girls. But yeah, no, I would love one that's like give me like contemporary architectural styles. Give me, I guess, I guess, um, New Donk City. Give me New Donk City. Give me the New Donk City of Zelda. That's all. That's all there I want. Is. Uh, we should take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk some some WarioWare. We'll talk about yeah. some Dead Cells, which I've been playing a lot of. Uh, then maybe we'll get some waypoints. All right, we will be right back. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
All right, we are back, and we are going to talk more about video games and the world. I love video games. The world, hmm. um, the world has problems. The world has problems. Does the world of WarioWare Gold for the Nintendo 3DS have problems? <laughs> oh shit, Wario be is here. Wario, is Wario a problem? He is a problem. Is he? He knows he's a problem. Oh. Because this game sort of starts off with a cutscene that weirdly feels a little bit like a cell phone. Really? It's a little bit. It's like a corporate parody of game companies. Okay. Because here's the setup for this game. So it's a WarioWare game, so it's micro games. Right. Of it's like a collection of past WarioWare games, right? I think there's many, there's some new stuff and some okay. old but stuff. But it doesn't have the Angela levels, right? That's what I'm I've been sure. hearing. I haven't played an Angela level yet. The thing okay. is, I can't play my 3DS for very long because my wrist is fucked up. Right. So like, I have to actually play it in mm -hmm. micro uh -huh. doses, which is sort of weirdly appropriate for a WarioWare game. But yeah, the setup for these games has always been, Wario wants to make money in some fashion, mm. so you play a bunch of tiny, teeny tiny mini games that you play within like five seconds. I think mm. four seconds right. usually is like how long each of these games last. You try to make, you know, outlast things and you get points for outlasting things. Well, in this one, Wario... You know, he of Prince Greed of Nintendo Town. Is he a pr wait? Is that a thing? I'm, just, I'm giving him the title. Okay. Prince. You Prince have the Greedy. ability to just give the Nintendo. You didn't know what I do. Wait, I what's... do all their sound effects. You didn't know. Oh, I knew that part, but I didn't know that you had like title. I didn't know you had like Queen Danielle. Can I... just be like, ah, you are a prince, the Prince of Greed. Yeah, the Prince of Greed, Prince of Thieves, Damn. Prince of Greed. Uh, Mario is the Prince of Buttcrack. <laughs> it's good to have. <laughs> I feels like that feels like, like anti-plumber. But he like shows his butt. I hate plumbers. Question: Does he show his butt? No, he shows his nipples in Odyssey, and that's the most he's ever shown of anything. And you know, I never saw Mario's butt in my life. Maybe in that live-action movie, he uses his butt so much, though. He butt stomps everything. Yeah, but I haven't seen. I've seen his cheeks. Have we seen his cheeks? He's got cheeks accentuated through his jeans. Yeah, exactly. He's got cheeks. There's been moments. Okay, he, he wears the shit out of those jeans. He does. He does. Those he does. overalls. You know he there's, does. There's implied crash. That's kiss. There's implied, implied butt plumber's crack. kiss. Plumber's <laughs> 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 Plumber's kiss. Is that what you call nah, a plush. plumber's crack? A plumber's kiss. A plumber's kiss. kiss. That's, That's a different thing. <laughs> we have to keep moving. <laughs> we gotta keep going. We gotta keep going. Okay, I'm sorry. Warrior Prince, Prince Wario. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, has decided he's gonna have a video game tournament, a design tournament. So he can make, you know, he can get free labor from all of his friends. Yeah, wait, is oh. he really we'll doing a fucking... For free. Yeah, this is really how this uh, game starts. Uh, like a spec game jam? Yes. Fuck. Yes, that's yeah. how they... I'm telling you, it's a little bit of a corporate self-own. Like, a, oh, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to exploit your labor. That's what Wario's doing. What There's a cutscene that starts out, and I'm, like, playing this, like, oh, okay. <laughs> you guys went there. That's uh -huh. kind of cute. All right. And then, you know, various designers have their little sections right. of the games. And, cool. it's, and it's divided into, I think it's like the Mash Central, the Spin Central, and the something, maybe it's Shake Central. I forget. But there's different, the different, like, divisions of, like, basic inputs. Like, the Mash one is mashing buttons mm -hmm. and also using, like, a D-pad, you know, the inputs, that kind of thing. It's really fun. Really good. I like the cell phone. That's enjoyable. Yeah. But it got me thinking quite a bit about how Wario is supposed to be Mr. Greedy and he's so terrible and he's so awful, right? But like, Mario is such a capitalist too. He's getting coins everywhere he goes. It's true. He's just as greedy. And he works for the state. He works for the monarch. Not just the state. The monarchy. The monarchy. He's oh, trying to. He's, he's, he's a reactionary. He is not just a reactionary. He's also a royalist. He's both. Yeah, dude. Which is not that. I mean, this is obviously. Uh, Conflict between like uh, uh, royal powers, King Koopa, Princess Peach. Too, yeah. Obviously, mm -hmm. this is not. But but is is 
is King Koopa right. actually right. a king, or is he a self-titled? Yeah. I don't There's know. a degree of, like, satire in his own name, I think right? he's, yeah. he's made himself king. He puts which isn't to say It yeah. isn't to say that that's not how kings have become kings right. in the past. Right, totally. Um, but perhaps he is the beginning of also, a monarchy. maybe he didn't give himself that title. I could imagine a world in which the Mushroom Kingdom was like, oh, yes, King Koopa. So are you self- saying his underlings? Oh, you're no, saying, saying that, like, as in... As in the... the like, right. King of the Koopas. to him. Yeah. You know? Wow. Pronounced, so pronounced like Herod in Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, my God. <laughs> but then but then that makes Bowser our savior. That's been true for a while, you know? Bowser, come save us. Uh, apparently, the only real revolutionary in the Mario. I mean... 100%. So in Japan, the character bears the title of Daimao, uh, which is Great Demon King. In the U.S., the okay. character is first referred to as Bowser, King of the Koopas, and the Sorcerer King, which I did not know my guy was the Sorcerer King. Well, remember in the, the first States. game, he, he sends out, like, magic-y stuff, doesn't mm-hmm. he? I thought mm-hmm. those were fireballs. Those are fireballs, uh, right? Maybe he has well, a, he's wand. a demon. Have a wand. Does he have a wand? He's, a he's making the fire go somewhere. That's true. You know? Damn, That's I didn't know true. he was the Fallen Angel. Yeah. Right? It's all, it's this all is comes together. Super Damn, I didn't know Nintendo was a Christian company. I'm still trying to fix it. So, like, WarioWare's protest art now? Is this is this what we're getting it's at? It kind of feels like a little bit. Like, literally, it's an exploitative game jam, and then all the segments of the game are made by designers at Nintendo they who are no doubt, like, showing their wares to the <laughs> higher-ups and being like, here's my project. Kind of seems like that's, it. That's troubling. A little troubling, but also a little bit like, well, at least you're wearing it on your sleeve. Also, you're showing it off to the world, so maybe. That's why I can only stand Waluigi. Yeah? He's the only one I can stand. Is that only because, like, we don't know enough about him? Yeah. He's in so few games. Yeah, that's, uh, let me live in the ignorance (laughs) of his past. In the Waluigi ignorance. (laughs) Who else can I stand in that game? Who is the, he's a prince of. Chain Chomp, mindless. Yeah, but like a Yoshi, come on, No. No. Yoshi. Oh my god. I'm not a I'm not a Yoshi fan. What the fuck? I don't dislike I'm not a Jeff Gersman who are like kill you all just, Yoshis, but like <laughs> he just wants to eat the little fruits off the tree. And also okay, maybe the Super guys. Mario Bros. Also the bones but... of his enemies. And also the bones of his enemies, including yeah. the bone turtle people. Yes, those yeah. Are. Literally. Yes. And he's a cannibal. Right. Well, yeah. okay, wait, he doesn't eat other Yoshis, right? I don't know, he's got eggs. And they spit them out, and you got another Yoshi there. Yeah, I don't know how any of that works. The egg comes from his stomach. It's like a marsupial. And then it comes out his mouth. He doesn't eat it. But where where did it get there? From eating like a shy guy or whatever. And then he make the egg. Then he make the egg. Okay. Sometimes he squirt the juice, too. Sometimes yeah. he squirts the juice too. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yoshi's been mistreated by Mario for years. He's been punching I, him That's in true. The head. I'm with you. I'm with He's you. Been punching I'm, him. I'm on free Justice Yoshi. for Yoshi. It's free yeah. Yoshi. Hashtag free Yoshi. But also. Also, Yoshi's rainbow. So Yoshi's gay. Is Yoshi rainbow? Because he comes in all colors and sizes. So okay. shy guys. Shy guys. I guess Yoshis. shy guys just gotta get eaten sometimes. I guess is what you're that's saying. Just what what he what likes do we to like do. shy guy? I'm pro shy guy. Shy guys are very. I'm shy guy. Shy guy. He's wearing a mask, walking around. Oh, he's been in a lot of the... Also... He's been in Captain Toad. That's what Shy Guy's been up to. He's doing, in Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Yeah. Well, he's kind of a bad guy, but still... Yeah, whatever. see, I'm just... But so doing what? What makes him a bad guy? What's that's, he do? That's the thing. He comes in and he hurts Toad. That's that's the thing. It's no, he doesn't. Toad's he's walking like, around. So, hold on. But Toad, Toad walks up and then well, he when does, he... does come over to try to attack Toad. No, because he's just hanging out in his house. No, but when he sees Toad... But why is Toad there in the beginning? 
Why does Captain show up? He's trying to steal the treasure. Trying to steal the treasure. My motherfucker has a safari hat on and everything. Yeah, I know. My guy is is like he's, kicking down the door. Damn, I didn't know Toad and Lara Croft had a thing going Rob on. Rob has a whole Toad thing. Rob yeah. is not wrong. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, Toad is clearly the most evil character in Mario. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, 100%. Like, like Toad is doubtless an informer. Yep. Uh, Toad <laughs> is like the loyal servant of the regime. And Toadie is right there. Okay. And is greedy and jealous of the power he's assumed under that system right. and will jealously guard it yep. uh, from any change to the status quo, which benefits him, even though it oppresses his fellows. Yeah, no. It's true. Toad Toadette. Lost. I don't know shit about Toadette either. All I know is That's Nintendo why I can is stand like... That's <laughs> <laughs> The less we know, the more. Toad, but make it pink. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, Okay. Great, thanks, Nintendo. On. Toad, but don't give it a gender. <laughs> yep, but make it oh, pink. But make it pink. That seems like a cool game. It's a fun Wario game. Wars. I love, I love the Wario games. They're really They're so fun. I'm like such a fucking. They're so goofy. Chumpies. I'm like, oh, but put it on Switch. I'm like, I know it's not, but I wish it was on. But Switch. why not? Why really? Not? Why? We'll get a WarioWare on Switch in the it, next three it years. It worked just fine on the Switch. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. I just don't understand. I mean, why not? I think it's collecting all the DS and 3DS stuff plus some new stuff. I'm like, I bet those assets don't look great on the Switch. Yeah, probably not. I guess. But just gotta do some more labor. Just gotta, yeah. yeah, Throw some more labor at it. I'm sure there will be, we'll get a really good WarioWare game on the Switch. Yeah. Uh, WarioWare, switch switch it up. That, there you that's go. a that's great a title name. You need. Done. Switch it I up. I did it. I you told you it. I worked for Nintendo. Damn. If that comes out, WarioWare, switch, switch it up, baby. That's a good name. Uh, speaking of the Switch, I've been playing Dead Cells Ooh. on the Switch. If you don't know what Dead Cells is, you should tune in to Patrick's daily streams of it this week. Uh, he's doing a morning stream every day, playing through uh, Dead Cells, which is a Metroid-style, Castlevania-style, Metroidvania-style roguelike, uh, action roguelite, I guess. Uh, in Again, in the vein of something like Metroid or Castlevania, you're exploring, uh, I guess... Much more early Castlevania, that there's a series of levels. It's not a big open world map. Okay. It's you go through um you go through a level, you kill a bunch of enemies. The combat feels incredibly satisfying. It has like such a great. The, the comparison I would make is to almost watching a contemporary like action movie in the kind of John Wick or or like the most recent Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Very kinetic feeling. Very like movement oriented mm-hmm. around. Like there's good screen shake and there's good moving through and past enemies via roles and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's a lot more bloodborne in its feel than than like a Dark Souls. So it's not a very like stand in your place block and parry and counter attack. Even though there are shields and stuff. In my experience, the play is very much like an archer goes to shoot you. You roll under the the bolt and you get up and you like hit him three or four times. And the thing that makes the game uh, puts the game in kind of the roguelike category is that you're. It's run-based, so when you die, you start over from the beginning, a new map is generated according to the same basic principles, and there's kind of like a, a series of, of maps, sort of mm-hmm. like something like Spelunky, where you go from caves to mines to blah, 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 right? Um, but also, you're rebuilding the character each time, and the way that you build your character is a combination of weapons, so you get two like primary weapons, mm-hmm. uh, so like maybe you have a sword and a bow, and, and there's a bunch of different types of swords and a bunch of different types of bows. So maybe you have the bow that's slower but shoots two arrows at once, or you have the bow that is super fast but mostly does damage from very up close. The, the arrows don't go very far. Or maybe you have the sword that is like a blood sword and does bleeding damage to your enemy, or you have the one that is like um, a 
perfectly balanced and does a lot more damage up front, but doesn't do any like damage over time stuff. Then you also have like utility items, and that can be anything from like a grenade or a freeze grenade that freezes people in place. Patrick had a lot of good work done with a freeze grenade in the first stream he did. Yeah. Um, to traps and turrets, and this is a bunch of different uh, equipment uh, options. And you unlock the you either find them in the world in a given run, or you can unlock blueprints for them oh. as you play through the game by killing an enemy and, and getting a blueprint. And then you can also unlock the ability to get a random weapon or item uh, at the beginning of the game. And so that means you, you go from, like, every game you start with the basic-ass regular sword or, uh, and, you know, and then a shield and a, and a uh, bow, shield or a bow, to eventually, like, okay, what am I going to get this time? Okay, I, I got the blood sword and I got the super slow but super powerful crossbow or whatever, right? And so then you immediately start making these builds. On top of all that, you're increasing your character's stats in any given run, and the stats are super simple. It's like health and then how much damage you do with red, uh, red, purple, or green items. Um, and that's just like, it's very simple. It's like, oh, I'm going to do a red build this time. I'm just dumping points into red, and that means I'm going to do lots of damage with like melee weapons and just like very straightforward, like regular grenades, or I'll dump points into purple and do like a very tactical build where I'm doing kind of magic stuff. I'm doing like an ice blast and a lightning whip and then some turrets. And you, you, you wind up with a collection of things that are not always in that same color grouping. So you might mm -hmm. have like a really powerful hammer, but then, which is red, and then the ice blast, which freezes enemies, but that's purple. So, well, am I going to dump points into red so that my hammer hits are really powerful or into purple so that when I freeze people, I do enough damage to like set them up for the hammer mm -hmm. kill or whatever. That stuff is all really, really fun. But but the thing that just makes it work for me is just the moment-to-moment -moment feeling of combat. The the levels all introduce new enemies uh, each time that you go through. Um, and then the, the way that it wraps back around to being a, a kind of Metroid-style game is that as you go through the game, you fight mini-bosses and, and regular bosses. And in both cases, you end up with new abilities that unlock different pathways through previous levels so like you're not necessarily going in a single run forward to level three and then coming back to level one what you're doing is playing through to level three beating the level three boss who gives you the ability or a mini boss on level three or whatever who gives you the ability to turn like uh, a little bit of moss into a vine that you can climb oh. and on your next run if you find one of those vine or moss patches you can turn it into a vine and then go through so those carry to a different over exit. those carry over Interesting. those carry over the blueprints carry over um, and so the blueprints are just assembled with like material, like no, items. No, so you just the blueprints are just like they add it an item to the pool, okay. so that like you can find it more often, and so that it can show up at the beginning of the game as one of your random starting Got things. You. Um, you can also there's a, you're also buying blueprints as you play through the game. Mm -hmm. Like you at, between every level, you get your health back, and you get to spend your cells, mm -hmm. which are like <clears throat> big weird blue orbs. They're sort of like and they're not dead. I guess they're live. Um, I guess they're alive. I would say that they're alive. Uh, they're big and blue and pulsing. It right, feels that alive. That seems alive. But you're getting them from dead things. You're right. killing things. They're dead. They're, they're dead, but the cell is alive. They could be energy cells. Right. Exactly. You and you're you're uh. your door cells. Yeah. Exactly. And you and you you pay them to this guy who has a big. There's lots of weird. There's lots of weird characters. Mm -hmm. Lots of like big weird people with masks on, messing around with cells and juices. Okay. You get some mutations. Find a lot of your old bodies in the game. There's a really interesting narrative your, layer. Your character's old your bodies. Your old bodies. Mm. And there's a guy next to him who's like, hey, I'm in charge of mutations. Like, what do you want this time? And like, uh, what do you, what, huh? Um, there's some cool narrative stuff where the game will 
signal to you, like there'll be a spark on the screen, and you go into a little room. It's like, okay, this isn't a combat room. The game timer pauses. You can explore the room and like hit a button to inspect things, like an old journal or like a map on the wall. Um, the, it's so I expected it to be more like Hollow Knight in mm-hmm. tone, where it would be like um, kind of melancholy. And like it's a similar thing. Like it takes place in a fallen kingdom right. that was that was consumed by a disease. Like it's the it's the very Dark Souls fantasy style thing, but it's a very tongue in cheek game. Comparatively, yeah, it seems a little goofy. It's a little goofy. It's a little goofy. It has moments. Or, yeah. yeah, I I would go all the way to goofy actually, all more right. than just playful. Like there are definitely moments of just like your character will do a shrug sometimes. Yeah, the that, shrug is really is, like, good. All it's the great. way to cartoonish, yeah. and it, it works for the game. I think there are times it's a miss. But by and large, I think it works. And I, as much as I would like it to try to do the Hollow Knight vibe or mm-hmm. the Dark Souls vibe, I don't know that it could, could pull it off. Um, not just because of the quality of writing, but because of the structure. Like, yeah. unlike Hollow Knight, which sees the world locked in place yeah, um, and sees you just r- running through it again and again, so much is up to the randomization here that... It, it makes, couldn't pull it off. Like it, 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 it makes sense to be goofy in the face of like that randomization because thing. you're like, oh well, this is the this there is what I got. Is We're doing it. Here we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's not like oh, I'm back here again, reliving my walk through this hallway. Yeah. Um, the randomization basically works too, and the runs are short enough that like when you first start off, the runs can be a little longer because you're being very patient and taking time. Mm-hmm. Um, but You've gotten past that? Oh, yeah, because you're <laughs> rewarded for playing very quick. Oh. There are special doors that open up if you get to them quick enough that are filled with resources. Gotcha. Uh, and I don't always get those, but mm-hmm. those are pretty good par times in a sense, where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, if you get through the first whole stage and mm-hmm. get to this door that's going to be early on in stage two within two minutes, then you can open it, and inside is like a ton of money and an upgrade scroll to upgrade your stats. Wait, it's like, you uh, say, oh, sorry. You said scroll. Scroll. Thought you said scroll. squirrel. Oh, squirrel. And okay, I was like, squirrel. the upgrade squirrel. The upgrade squirrel right, will, up, will give you better stats. Sound of the squirrel. Yeah, conquer. conquer. There we go. Um, and uh, and so, like, I don't always hit two minutes, but I'm mm-hmm. way closer to five than 15. Gotcha. I started off going through that whole first level. I was like, I'm going to be here for 15 minutes. Yeah. You just get so much more confident with taking on enemies quickly yeah. and also being better at judging when you're going to hit a dead end and, like, I'm in this room. Oh, that's the little thing that will teleport me. I don't need to be in this room at all because I don't have the teleportation power yet. Boop, back out. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, go ahead. I think, like the kineticism. I think in games that play like that, I've often had sort of a mixed relationship with them because, sure. like, okay, I think of a game like Mirror's Edge, where yeah. like when you were locked in and everything's going your way, and you can almost hear like the run, Lola, run soundtrack, yeah. like yeah. in your head, <laughs> totally and you're just like, all momentum and movement and energy, transcendent. But if you fall off that rhythm yeah. and you, you're trying to chase the beat, you, you just it, it feels like shit. Yeah. And games like this where like I tend to be a little more deliberate in my playstyle anyway, forcing myself like it like does it do a good job of like letting you find and stay yes, in that group? Totally. Because like you don't have to chase those par times, so to speak, yeah. right? Those are faster than what a normal player, I think, would ever do in their regular run. They're just a useful gauge for like, hey, am I am I do I feel powerful enough yet? Am I? Is there something in the mechanics that I'm missing? Am I? Is this build working for me? When I get a really long time on any given level, it tends to be because I'm not using all my tools because I don't like the weird bear traps that I can throw out and they're slowing me down, or I'm struggling to use a shield when really what I want is a bow or a lightning whip mm-hmm. or something like that. 
Um, and it, it can teach me that, right? What I will say is there is a real range of play styles. And if you want to be slow and methodical, again, Patrick was playing on Friday and the build that he found was very tool oriented. It was very like he had a lot of purple items. So he was tossing down uh, the turrets. bear traps and turrets yeah. to take care of enemies he couldn't take oh, on like straight ahead. Yeah. And he was like, boom, I'll just drop this turret. Boom, I'll just drop this, this bear trap that'll hold like in place. Freeze grenade, freeze drop gr yes. tur turret. Like, uh, he had away. a fire spell also where he was like throwing a torch on the ground that was lighting it up like the holy water in Castlevania or something like that. Oh yeah, like oil. Oil, oh, I might yeah. Need, I might and so that was turning now. into like, or it's, you should really Very try it. Very me. Yeah, um, very immersive simmy-ish. Totally. Not like all the way. I no, mean, but no, like, but like the tools, the way that yeah. those things interact. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. exactly. Um, I, I think you'd like it a lot. Yeah. And and those different builds are just so fun to figure out. Um, and the the flow of combat is so good. So like that, that build totally works. And the thing that he was, when he was into it, the flow, the rhythm that he was finding was not just, I'll stay up on one level and toss down stuff. Mm -hmm. The best moments are when he was fighting kind of on two fronts. Yeah. Setting up a turret and the oil on the ground on one, on one level and on mm -hmm. the second level fighting smaller enemies yeah. while his turret picked away at the large one. Yeah. Um, he even got past the first boss, the first real yeah. boss of that game using that strategy. Yeah. And that, was, that boss can give you a lot of trouble. Like, yeah. it really, really can. Whereas, like, some of my favorite strategies are, like, two twin blades that heal me on each hit. Ooh. And I'm just, like, in the face of something with, like, a freeze blast to slow them down when I need to. Yeah. And those both like feel good. Yeah. Um, like, and the so, points of contact would be... Yeah. I will say that I think that the... the There can be a long arc of progress. It can sometimes feel like I just did a run and didn't get anything out of it. Mm. Um, it sucks to lose, like, 30 cells that you could be investing in... Like one of the things you can invest in is how many heal flasks you have. It's like it's like uh, Dark Souls more than like Bloodborne, um, in that you have a flask that heals you. It will refill between every runs, run and every level. It refills, oh, gotcha. right? Okay. So it's not just like one for the whole run. In between yeah. every level, you refill it, and you can upgrade it to hold more uses. So like mine is at two, and I'm just dumping points points into it to try to get it up to three. Um, and it's one of those games too where you're like, I will never have that many fucking cells. What are you like? There's an upgrade that I'm working on now that's a thousand cells. Oh yeah, I think um, I saw that. In the... I was like, when would I ever get that? And then finally, I had an incredible run where I went like six or seven levels deep. I guess six levels deep, and had at one point came back home with like eighty cells. I was like, oh shit, okay, do eight of those runs. That's you're not there. a problem. And then I'm yeah, there, yeah. you know, between that one level gave me eighty, and the past four levels gave me thirty or forty total. Like that'll work out. Um, it's a cool game. I like. I'm. 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 Wish I had had time to wrap Switch, it up. Right? Uh, it is on Switch. Okay. I will say. I think if you have PS4 or PC or something, to probably get it mm. there. Gotcha. Some of the later levels on Switch get so busy that there yeah. there's absolutely slowdown, and it can feel bad. Like it can yes. feel. I'm enjoying. I'm gonna yeah. keep playing on the Switch. I like having it in bed. I like having it on commute. For sure. Mm -hmm. But it it does struggle a little bit, um, which is such a shame because it's such a pretty game um it's pixel art but it's like the color usage is really great the animations are so good they're really good yeah i'm trying to think of a comparison like it is very much in the symphony of the night vibe in some way but a little more detailed than that okay. really beautiful vistas um and again level based and it's not like you do end up getting familiar with the levels like okay here i'm on the ramparts so i'm gonna see the sunset again but it's still pretty even the third or fourth or 15th or 20th time you've seen that sunset it's still a pretty sense. Hell yeah. So that has been what I've been playing. I kind of want to play it. It's good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go into waypoints before we wrap up today. Uh, sound good? 
Yeah, let's we're do running, it. Running a little let's bit waypoint over. it. Let's waypoint. What have, yeah. what have people been up to besides going to museums and playing mini game collections? Beach. Any beach? Can, I, can, yeah, I, can beach my waypoint be, be the beach? Talk to me about the beach. Can it be Brighton Beach? Totally. Because Brighton Beach is beautiful and good. Okay. And really nice. Tell me about Brighton Beach. It took me like two hours to get there yesterday. Because you know what beach traffic is like in this city? Oh, God. It ain't good. And Especially. I should have I just taken the damn queue in the bus. That's what I did to get home. That's what you do. Way better. I bet. Honestly. But you were like, I'll take a car. But I was like, it'll be faster to take a car. It's not. Google lied to my face. But anyway, the beach is wonderful. There's a really nice boardwalk. It's right next to Coney Island. I ran on that boardwalk. It was 90 degrees, and it was beautiful, and it was majestic. It sounds so and hot. And sometimes it's good to just get outside. <laughs> I'm degrees, hot. Just, just thinking. It was really hot. Well, the... it was hot, but here's what you get to do. Ready? Are you ready for this? Yeah. You work out. You get up a sweat. It's really hot. You run right into the just, ocean. Just and literally it feels turn left. like the best thing in the universe. Sure. It's cool. It's nice. you got the waves. It's relaxing. My waypoint is the beach. Good. It's a good waypoint. And I'm very... I'm very pleased. Rob, plans to go to Brighton Beach on the strip? Not going to be able to squeeze it in. Oh, dang. <laughs> Honestly, I would probably go back to the Acomfra exhibit again. Like, the one thing I'd do again, I like, I would go back. Like, so if fun. you want to go see Stuart Hall before I would love to. clear out of town. Uh, this, sadly, should, should, should I cannot fit that in in the next two days. Yeah. The, but We're not going to podcast from there? We do sure. pod. We'll do Solaris live Solaris from the live museum. From museum. Yeah. I, Honestly? Could, I could make that pitch to them. We're art. We're Honestly? art. You know, exploring. Yeah. It's performance art. If Ninja we do, could perform at Lollapalooza. Yeah, Is right. Ninja on stage at Lollapalooza. Is this your Ninja? Point? Ninja had a stream perform. Oh right, right, I right. Missed this. I sent it to you. Was that was that Lollapalooza? That was that I, Red Bull thing. I sent oh, you. I saw the. Okay. So at Lollapalooza, Ninja was streaming. Come Ooh. by and see Ninja, and he's playing with all your favorite musical acts. He had a one-to-one. He's playing an instrument, right? What? He's playing an instrument. The in a, keyboard. In a, way, in a way, he's got a keyboard and a mouse. Austin, so Austin's fully and completely asleep. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch it. I've no. I just mentioned that because we we're talking about right. yeah. So we performance could be art. performance art. Yeah. If Ninja, if Ninja can. can. Yeah. Ninja's probably better at anything than us. So. I mean, striven. There it is. An interactive. Av. Political philosophy installation. True. Austin Walker, Daniel Rando, Rob Zachney. Yeah. Visions of militant utopianism. There it is. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. it is. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. I'm there. I'd watch yeah. that. Hey, yo, curator, get at me. Let's make it happen. <laughs> we, might, we might have one. We might have one. We might, might have one in the audience. It's true. Yeah. I'm just saying. We almost certainly do. Who could say? You know, uh, I feel like we're the kind of crowd who might draw a curator or two. I would know? hope so. Totally. I think we've got so, emails from people in the curative so field. Too. So. I think so, too. Natalie, Rob, waypoint for the week. I'm looking at you, Rob. You first. Okay. I'm still thinking about mine. Rob. What's your uh, waypoint? Other than the six things you suggested <laughs> during your segment. Yeah. Oh, God, it's got to be new. It doesn't have to be, but if um, you'd like to defer, that's fine. I'll defer. Okay. I'm passing. I'm sorry. I'm, passing? I need a minute. I mean, you're I can't a... do My Fair Lady again, even though I really want to talk about it. Talk about it. I'll talk about talk, it in a minute. Talk about it. New York Rob, you're allowed to talk about My Fair Lady. We barely lady. got your, your My Fair Lady like okay. feelings. Uh, yeah. Um, it's real, real good. <laughs> and But it's it's good. It's, it's interesting. Pretend it's I don't good. know anything about My Fair Lady. What's My okay. Fair Lady? My Fair Lady is the musical version of Pygmalion by George Bernard Shaw. Uh, which is about Professor Henry Higgins, uh, a professor of like language and uh, phonetics, 
who takes a flower, a Cockney flower girl off the street and is like, I'm going to make you a proper lady. And they both get something out of it, which is like, for him, this is a fun experiment. Can I basically subvert the class structure of England by turning this piece of gutter trash? <laughs> uh, like, this is like the way he describes it in the opening. Yeah, is, this like, is I very can turn much, this, yeah. yeah, like piece of gutter trash into like a what proper a guy. lady. Yeah. Pretty well, woman, but... A little I, bit, yeah, although... I, make I, it I, British. Yeah. <laughs> what I will say is, even in, even in the text, one of Higgins' points is that, like, it's kind of, this entire class system is kind of bullshit, and it's all artifice, and, like, yeah. if you could erase the outer signs of class, like, honestly, people wouldn't fucking know, because it's all artificial. Mm-hmm. Sure. But at the same time, what he doesn't extend to is, like, having any regard for her as right. a person or human being, and she has no agency in his experiment. Like, yeah. to him, it's his experiment. It's not their story. It's not her story. Right. right. But Eliza does choose all this, and she she is the one who like actually says, "If you know, you talk a good game, but like you actually want to try to do this, let's let's go for it." For her, this is her shot. Like, can I escape? Uh, you know, class. Uh, you know, uh, wage slavery, basically, by simply like reinventing myself mm-hmm. and transforming myself into someone else. Uh it's the place famous from the George Cukor musical in 1964 with uh, Audrey Hepburn and Rex Harrison. Hmm. I fucking loved that musical when I was a kid. It has a problem, oh. which is that that movie is really in love with Rex Harrison's right. Henry Higgins. Like, he is a complete asshole and completely mm. self-absorbed, arrogant, caustic, insensitive. But the film does not frame him that way in any way. Not really. Like, Or it's very indulgent of it. Like, It mm. shows him being those things, but it's more like, it's so oh, charming. what a, what right. a character. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Audrey Hepburn, and I love Audrey Hepburn, but the way she plays Liza uh-huh. is very gentle, and even though she does eventually start calling uh, Higgins on his bullshit, she does so in a very gentle, soft-spoken, Aubrey Hepburnish way, where right. she's not going to get in a screaming fight right. with him, generally. Right. She's just going to be like, you know, you make me feel bad, and I do not think this is a good thing to have in my <laughs> life. And the problem is he talks over her in the film, and the, in the end, the film kind of, I think, talks over her a right. little bit. And it ends on this ambiguous note where she sort of comes back to him at the end, and uh, he hasn't learned anything, but it's possible that... She's come back, and they're going to continue their partnership in whatever form that takes. Problematic source material. Sure. Here's a revival in 2018. And how do you sort of adapt this and make it not absolutely poisonous to a modern audience, uh, particularly, like, offensive to modern women watching this uh, in the play? And I was really sort of apprehensive about this, because... I wasn't sure how they were going to sort of thread this needle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they mostly, like, fucking nail it. Um, they, this this uh, rendition of Eliza Doolittle is much more the active agent of the story. Like, just in the way things are staged, she is the prime mover of the mm-hmm. story. She is the one who chooses to, like, launch this experiment. And the play is reacting to her. Just in terms mm. of staging, just in terms of, like, characters' reactions, like, she is at the center of things for the most part. The only time she's not at the center is when she's very pointedly being sort of cast aside or ignored by the men in the scene. The other decision they make is um, this Henry Higgins is much more of a man-child. Um, and it was, it's tough watching this because this is a character I like, really always enjoyed as a kid and didn't, like, I was, like, 
there is far more of Henry Higgins in me than I like to admit. Mm. And like the like the only reason I think I'm tolerable at all is that I know that I skew in that direction anyway, and I just have to keep watching for it. Watching this, I'm real like I'm watching it and I'm realizing like Henry Higgins is a character that like can go one of two ways if you, if you watch this if you watch this play. Uh, there's a point where you either have to like get over your bullshit and like accept that you're not special. You're not, you know, you are not some uh, generational talent whose minor specialist specialist abilities allow you to treat people that way. Mm-hmm. Or that character is going to go off in a complete like spiral of narcissism <laughs> and like rejection. And it's kind of open at the end as to, you know, right. is this guy going to grow out of this? But Eliza outgrows him in this performance and in the stage. Interesting. And, yeah, so the final scenes are, like, really fraught. uh, Because in their final confrontations, like, this Eliza kind of breaks him down. Mm -hmm. And then that reconciliation at the end is really ambiguous and freighted. Um, It ends up being a really interesting, like, reinterpretation of a play. Like, I think most of the audience probably going to know by heart. Right. But completely, like, changes the meaning and critiques the meaning of the play. Awesome. Uh, so it, How long is it running? Uh, and is it, do you know if it's going to go on tour after this? Or is it just, is it I, already on tour? I don't know. This is, this, this, is, this opened in April. I'm okay. not sure there's going to be a touring show. Uh, but I think it's running through, like, September at least. Um, like, one of the reasons I made a point to go to this, because I don't know how long it's going to run. Uh, but I was definitely pretty eager to to do that. Um, real quick, I wanted to shout out. Um, yeah, so the guy playing um, Henry Hig- uh, Henry Higgins is Harry uh, Haddon Patton, uh, who a lot of people are going to know from um, Downton Abbey. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, and I did not see the performance by um, Lauren Ambrose, who's normally. Uh, Eliza, Eliza yeah. But I got the Sunday matinee because that was the only time I knew I'd be there. Uh, so I saw Kirsten Anderson's uh, performance, which was still very, very good. Was possibly, as I understand it, Ambrose's performance of Eliza is much more its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. And like, and Anderson's performance seemed to owe a little bit, a little bit more to the Audrey the Hepburn, Hepburn performance. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing it through February, by the way. Nice. Yeah. It's like it's going to be there. Plenty of time. Go yeah. see it. It's yeah. It's not a huge venue, so like all the seats like are, are amazing good. and yeah. awesome. fuck the uh, Henry Higgins uh, like mansion his townhouse set was just astonishing. The way they've got a rotating stage, there are a few pieces of staging and choreography that are like absolutely breathtaking uh, in this play. Uh, so it's awesome. it's live theater. It's best. Fucking right. go. Amazing. Live theater is great. Awesome. Natalie. Oh. You still? We had thirty minutes. Fifty minutes. I know. I'm sorry. I don't know if I have one this week. It's fine. Okay. Uh, you had a Hollow Knight transcendent experience. That I sounds... did. You listen to anything? You watching anything? Tell us about that Green Day shirt. It's a really good Green <laughs> I mean, Day you shirt. Like, you it's like from. Green Day? It's from um, the Dookie. the Dookie albums. Yeah. I, was gonna I, say, I, randomly... I didn't see the full, but I know that one by heart. Yeah, I randomly made a. A Green Day reference the other day. I don't remember what it was now, but it was just one of those things. It was like someone started a sentence and I finished it with a Green Day lyric from Dookie, and I, yeah. I don't remember what it was now, but it was just like, oh wow, that's just in my brain. I can't yeah, escape it. Is. it. All right, you don't have anything. 
He's got a great I'll give mine, and maybe you'll. All I've have been time. listening to is like the is my um, boyfriend's rehearsals for his show right. on Tuesday. You can endorse that? No endorsement here, apparently. Fuck. Well, I, oh. I don't know. I don't want to stop. Oh. Damn. Uh, my Brutal. boyfriend's playing a show on Tuesday night in New York City at Baby's All Right, 8 p.m. There you go. Okay. Baby's with, All Right. Um, with, uh, have you seen It Follows? Yeah. You know Jake Weary, the first one, the first guy that gives it to the girl? Yes. Okay. He's a musician. <laughs> Rob is dying currently. We're at New York, Rob. Are you okay? He's a musician. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Just your precis of It Follows. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, that's what, what happens. happens. That's what happens. It's not good, yeah. It is the truth. Um, he's a musician. He's collaborated a lot with Ground is Lava, mm-hmm. who um, Ben has collaborated a lot with. And Jake asked Ben and Jasper, Jasper's Ground is Lava, to open right. for him at Baby's All Right on Tuesday night. So 8 p.m. Show up. At Baby's All Right. There you go. Show up. Okay. Be there. <laughs> there but don't be fucking weird. Don't, don't be weird. Yeah, don't be weird, don't please. Be weird. Also, no one would even, like, people would just be confused if also, you were weird. Also, be nice. Be nice. Be, be good nice. and be good at it. Be know? good and be, are we done? Is that it? Bye. No, you still have your waypoint. Okay. Evo. I spent the weekend watching Evo. Uh, saw some tweets, Austin. I saw more than a few tweets. Yeah, a I lot saw of some tweets. tweets. Uh, I watched Evo this weekend. Uh, I, did, I did my best to watch as much as I could from different games. Obviously, I was a big Dragon Ball Fighters stan uh, all weekend which had just some incredible competition. Um, but everything I watched was, was great. Uh, and so, like, broadly, I advise you f- figure out which of the Evo games is the one that you're excited about or that you can imagine yourself being excited about. You know, there was a, a billion things there, um, everything from, like, two different Smash games. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Tekken was incredible. Tekken 7 was really great. Um, Street Fighter Five is a much more interesting game for me to watch than to, to play. Sure. Uh, people are really good at that game. And the mind games are, are so fun to watch. But for me, obviously, unsurprisingly, I've been ringing the Dragon Ball Fighter Z bell for the entire year. Um, I knew when that game came out that I thought it was something special because it, one, it's made by Arxis, who makes the Guilty Gear and Blue right. games, yeah. and those have been gorgeous forever uh, and really complicated forever. But Dragon Ball Fighter Z has had immediately seemed like, and I'm, the, the designer came out and she, she was very clear that she wanted to make a game that was more accessible. Um, it is still a very complex game. Uh, I still advise people to pick it up and play it just because I think it's really fun, but like, I'm never going to be really good at that game because I'm not going to put a dozen hours a week, you know, let alone what you really need to yeah, put yeah, into yeah. it, which yeah. is like four or five hours a day to well, get from good. Eric Van Allen's uh, really good like yes. uh, preview piece that he wrote for, for Evo, like, it's got that Marvel versus Capcom, like, in addition to learning to fight yes. with the characters... You need to learn about the combos and assists that they, that they can do, like, right? Screen. So, like the very basic rundown of what Dragon Ball Fighters Fighter Z is—it kills me that the Z is just time. on there. Um, it, the the way that it works is like it is like something like Marvel versus Capcom. You pick three characters and you play as you do kind of play as one character at a time. You can tag out to tag in a new character to bring in a new character. That's a very risky thing to do to just do it whenever because they're just like flying on screen and they will tend to get knocked the fuck out of the air when they yeah. do that. Yeah. Unless you're really good. One of my favorite things I've been watching this game over the course of the last five or six months now, since February, six months, I guess. Um, because when, you, when I first started watching people play this game competitively, no one did any tags. Uh, it's a game where there is where on first blush there's not a lot of safe time. There's not a lot of like this is a safe moment where I can tag out and bring someone new in. 
Um, there are, it's very hard comparatively to get what you would call a hard knockdown, where you actually hit a character and they fall to the ground and they are out for a second. Um, players have gotten way better at finding those gaps where they can bring in a character to actually be part of a combo or to, uh, or to just get in safely. Um, and they've also found ways to work around the fact that there aren't that many hard knockdowns. And seeing the play change over the last six months to where it is now has been so fantastic. So to see that on display alone was really cool. But what made it really special is all year I've been watching this one rivalry between Sonic Fox, who is a fighter who we profiled, or a player we profiled last year as part of The Way Play Presents. Presents. Yeah, exactly. He is uh, a fan- He's always been a fantastic player of the NetherRealm games, uh, Mortal Kombat and Injustice. Um, he'd been one of the best Mortal Kombat and Injustice players for years. Uh, he did not, in fact, win the Injustice Evo last year. He got knocked out. He again got knocked out of Injustice this year. Um, but I would su- suspect that's because he spent so much time becoming probably one of the most dominant players in Dragon Ball. Uh, and the other player is Goichi, who is Go One, uh, a fantastic Japanese player. Um, and everything from their fighting styles to their mannerisms make them such compelling rivals on stage and online. Um, at the beginning of the year, you know, uh, I mean, if you don't know Sonic Fox at all, he is black, he is openly gay, he is a furry, he wears his fursuit on stage, he celebrates with, you know, in, in the full fursuit. He's like such a, a, an exciting figure. Well, that's kind of the new thing, too, right? Because he used to wear the fox ears. He used to wear ears, the fox ears. That's, the what, that's what was yes. recognized. Yes. Exactly. The, like, the hands when did the fursuit right? come out? Last year. Last okay. year he, he got the fursuit, which is exciting because, like, it's obviously he's so... He's so himself in it, you know, um, and he doesn't, he obviously doesn't play with, uh, with the paws on. He plays with the paws off because that would be very hard to do. That would be rough. No, honestly, yeah. he's, he's so that. fucking good that that Maybe might, one day, who could say? Maybe he'll be better with them. Honestly. Yeah. Um, and so now he, he plays with, like, the bodysuit on and the, the arms and stuff on. Uh, and he's just, like, such a charismatic and, like, loud totally. and great at shit talking and great at, like, but also just puts in the work himself. Like, he isn't just an empty shit talker. So early in the year, and it comes from experience, right? It comes from speaking from, I know this game well enough to say that Vegeta is trash. So at the beginning of the year, he said that Vegeta, who's a major character in the Dragon Ball franchise, was trash as a character that you pick. At the time, that was that made waves because everybody picked Vegeta because in this game, you're not just picking characters to play as, you're also picking characters to, as Rob suggested, be your assists. And an assist in this game is, while you're brawling it out one-on-one, you can also not only tag in other characters, but be like, hey, Vegeta, help me out real quick. And Vegeta's thing is like, I'll be fl- he'll fly by and do a bunch of like energy blasts, basically, that can help you get distance and spacing. So like... Think about something like Bloodborne. What if in mm-hmm. the middle of fighting a boss, you could be like, hey, Vegeta. And Vegeta <laughs> showed up and shot a bunch of fucking energy blasts that pushed your, your foe away from you and gave you some space. Or that while your character, while that character was blocking Vegeta's attacks from up high, you could come, you could come in from the low mm-hmm. or from the side or whatever and get some hits That in. would be extremely chill. be extremely chill and useful. In fact, yeah. you do it anyway when you summon a character, right? Like That is kind yeah. of what a summoned character can do for you yeah. in a game like Bloodborne is distract an enemy for yeah. a second or mix them up. Totally. So... Vegeta at the time was one of Goichi's, is Goichi's anchor. Is like when you pick your characters out, you pick three characters. And it tends to be that the third character you pick, and you know, I'm sure I'm getting some of this wrong. I don't follow fighting games as much as I wish I could. But that third character is like, hey, if it all comes down to something, it's all going to come down to this. This is the person who I fucking, I know them in and out. I can win against incredible odds with this character, even against, you know, two or three other enemies. I can, I can hold it, I can hold it together. 
Uh, and so Goichi's anchor was Vegeta, and Sonic Fox came out and was like, no, Vegeta's trash. Vegeta's a garbage-tier character. No one should More play like as Vegeta. Velveeta. More like Velveeta, exactly. Cheese, exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. That's a good, that's like Thank a you. yipes level comment. <laughs> um, and so they immediately had beef, and it's like these are the two obvious chief competitors in this scene. Uh, and they never had fought for months, you know, for a month or two of just trash-talking back and forth, and they, you know, Sonic Fox won a, one of the first huge tournaments here and ended by saying, Omae wa Shinderu, which is the, the line from Fist of the North Star, which is, you are already dead. Uh, and they, they fought finally back in March, I want to say, uh, March or April, and Sonic Fox got washed, just like completely destroyed. And so went back in the training, you know, went back into the hyperbolic time chamber, <laughs> found a new team, came back out, beat Goichi. And they went back and forth like this a few times, and all the while, other players started showing up. This is good. The Eric Van Allen uh, article is a fantastic read. It's on, it's on the site, waypoint.fights.com, uh, that gives you the kind of history of this. So we get to Evo finally, and of course, round by round, you know, uh, it looks like Sonic Fox and Goichi are going to end up facing off. And they end up facing off in top eight. And the way that fighting games tournaments work at Evo, um, and in a lot of places, is that it's double elimination. Once you get to a certain stage, I mean, pretty early on, it gets to a point where if you lose twice inside of a given like stage of the competition, you get knocked out. So the top eight is two people or four people in the winner's brackets or two matches in, in the winner's side and then two matches in the loser's side. If you're in the winner's side, you've got to get beat twice to be knocked out of the competition. If you're mm. in the loser's side, you just have to get beat once. Uh, Sonic Fox and Goichi are both in the winner's side. They beat their respective opponents, and they go on to face each other, and Sonic Fox crushes him. It's just like, you don't ever see Sonic Fox play as strongly as you do here, and he's already a very strong competitor, and he is just on his fucking shit. He's just completely on his game and just completely washes him and knocks Goichi into losers. Goichi is a very defensive player, and he's so fun to watch because he is um, just a powerhouse of of, of just like being able to block anything you throw at him and being able to dig deeper. And so in that first matchup, the most incredible thing happens, which is that he uh, summons the dragon, he gets all the dragon. So I don't okay. want to get too deep into the mechanics right. here, but there is a way to summon a dragon, which is a dragon ball thing. If you get all the dragon balls, you can summon the dragon and ask, oh, ask it for a wish. And the wishes in this game are like, bring back one of my teammates, heal my health up all the way, give me um, a special resource I can use to heal myself can and you also pick do or is it power random? you pick. How routinely do you see the Super rare. Like, okay. it's super rare. I, I, don't, I didn't see it at all otherwise this weekend except for from Goichi, like, at all. To do it, you have to get, combined, the players have to have hit uh, seven different combo lengths. A 10-hit-plus combo, a 20-hit-plus combo, a 30-hit-plus combo, up to a 70-hit-plus so combo. So when the dragon shows up, it's already a legendary match. So it's already, so you don't even, at that point, you still haven't had enough to get it. Getting yeah. all of those doesn't summon it. That gives you all the balls. To summon it, you have to then have seven bars of super charged up, which is a lot because it means you haven't been spending it to do super moves or to teleport away from attacks. And then you have to land a combo. And so there's this feeling of, it feels so much like a really great, uh, a moment in soccer where you can feel the build coming. It's like, oh wait, the pieces are in place. Wait a second, the cross could come over and then he could head it in and like, that's the feeling. It's like, wait a second, I can feel the play developing. And so everybody sees Goichi's getting to where he can summon the dragon and he fucking does it and he gives Vegeta all of his health back and it's like, oh my god. And then Sonic Fox crushes him and knocks him into losers. 
And it's just this thing of just like, you know, the tweet starts going around, which is in Dragon Ball, you can summon the dragon and wish for something. And sometimes the dragon is like, it's not in my power to do that. And so the tweet went around that was like, Goichi to the dragon, give me the power to defeat Sonic Fox, <laughs> Shenron the dragon. It's not in my power. And so Goichi gets knocked to losers and there's a bunch of incredible competitors and losers. And he's working his way through them and gets pushed hard, but pushes through. It's like continually his defense is just impeccable. He does incredible. Like, this game looks so good when defense is strong because you'll just be backed into a corner and, like, high block, high block, low block, just blocking everything, reflecting things back. The game is so pretty. If someone shoots, like, a blast of energy at you and you do the reflect, like, parry, it gets knocked into the background and damages the background. So that's suddenly cool. this, like, fighting arena gets, like, holes in it and the thatched roof has been shot through with a huge energy blast. And Goichi, of course, fights his way through, through the loser's bracket and back into finals with Sonic Fox. And he's pissed. Like, you can just, he just, he has, like, a face of just pure anger on him. His focus is all the way in. Uh, and he has to, remember, to get knocked out, he has to lose twice. He's already lost once. For Sonic Fox to lose, he has to lose twice. He hasn't lost at all. And in the first showdown, Goichi crushes him. 3 nothing. Just completely dominates him. Completely is just, like, has Sonic Fox on tilt. Has him just, like, shook a little bit. Um, and he's just like laser focused in, just has him completely beat. His defense is impenetrable. Sonic Fox is playing really, really rushed, really just trying. If Sonic Fox can open him up, he can do damage, but he can't open him up. He just cannot find the 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 you know, kind of weak spot in the armor. He just like can't get in. And so Sonic Fox does what all champions do, and he freezes him out. He calls in this obscure rule that no one has used for years that says that you can get a coin flip to change seats. He wants to be on player one side, not on player two side. And so the play stops for like six minutes. And so in the middle can, of the match? No, the matches are over. He's right. getting ready to go into the second set of okay, matches. Okay, got you. And he's like, no, oh, I want to switch seats. And all the refs come out like, what do you, we can't, what do you, it's like, this rule hasn't been used since 2011. But the rule is still in play. And so there's some debate as to whether or not he's just a better player from the player one seat. And, or if he's trying to freeze out the high momentum of Goichi, mm. or if he himself just needs a moment to breathe and collect himself. But he uses this obscure rule, which I've heard he through... He had that in his back pocket. He had that in his back pocket, and so slows down play. Sorry, you were about to say you've heard from... Sources through the grapevine that that is like, someone must have told him that because he wasn't in the scene the last time it was used. Like, never, he could have never seen it used. Mm -hmm. So someone must have given... Someone who's been around the scene some for a long time. Some corner man. Some corner man was like, yeah. yo, plan B... Yeah call for the switch. And so they flip the coin and it comes up his his it comes up heads or whatever and then they switch seats and then it's just like over. Sonic Fox just immediately dominates him. Just like completely 3-0 again the other direction. I believe it was 3-0 in the finals. Um just finds the openings and just nails them each time. And in the middle of that last run, Goichi fucking summons the dragon again. He no. gets it again and it's not enough and it almost looks like it might be for a second, and Sonic Fox closes it up, and it's just like, you know, it's wild to see 250,000 people cheering for, maybe not all cheering for, obviously, but watching a black gay furry win in an emerging fighting game who is like so, it's like such a powerful moment, and it's such a dramatic moment that has so many like nuances, and it's one of those great things of like, whoever would have won there, I would have been happy because the competition was so fierce yeah. um, and so fun to watch. Go watch some of those uh, those matches. Also, there was a tweet that I retweeted from uh, AVB, who is a, a great games critic and, and game creator, um, 
who's who if I had a second waypoint it would be Heaven Will Be Mine, which is a fantastic the, the queer, queer mech, mech visual game, novel right? that just came yeah. out. Um, which I guess disclosure I'm friends with A V yeah. and with Mia who made that game. But uh she tweeted a link to a video of a really great Goichi match, Goichi versus Leffen, who Leffen won Smash Melee this year, oh, which yeah, was fantastic. Yeah, and Leffen's also an incredible Dragon Ball player. So go watch the Goichi versus Leffen match. If you just search that on Google, you'll find their match is like the perfect thing to watch to get into Dragon Ball Fighter Z. And then go watch some Evo. It was it was such an amazing culmination. Like sometimes those things happen and it's like you get to the Evo championship and two fighters you haven't really followed make it to the finals yeah. because that's how it works. It's a it's a tournament. Sometimes yeah. someone else is just on their fucking game yeah. or someone who isn't part of the scene shows up. Like that's what happened with Street Fighter. A, yeah. a fighter who I don't, I don't pay close attention to Street Fighter, but the player who won was a, a, a UK player who I just had never even heard of before because I don't follow that scene too tightly. Wasn't one of the key players who I thought might, might show up. Um, did end up beating Kikido who won last year, who beat Punk last year. Uh, but it was like really cool to see that happen, but not as cool as this was because it felt like the perfect dramatic. It had to be this way, destined yeah. fight between these two greats. And I love that there's an asterisk on it. I love that people can get fucking salty over the coin flip, over the the seat switch. I love that. Like the meme now is that I saw another image going around on Twitter that was like the tier list for players in Dragon Ball Fighter Z was you know uh, all the other competitors were B tier. Uh, or was C tier? B tier was Sonic Fox facing left. <laughs> a tier is is uh, Goichi, and S tier is Sonic Fox from the other direction. That's it. <laughs> Can't beat him from that side. Very good. So that's really that good. is my waypoint for the week for sure. All right, I think that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for story time. Thank you. That Sorry to dig, dig in on that one. I was going to do that first, but I was like, I can't do that first. I have to save that for the end. That's my waypoint. Uh, I need to go watch this. It's this so, so fucking good. good. It's so good. The fucking death glares. The death glares from Goichi are just. So real, and so I get it. I get it. I get it. Even as a Sonic Fox fan, I fucking get it. Like, that's the reason I don't root for the Patriots, you know? So. Oh, the Death Glare during the coin flip. Oh, like, of course. Like, just, like, like he, he had him. He knows he has him. He has him. He has him beat. And every second, you can just feel him cooling off. It's so good. It's such a good dramatic exchange. You got to win it to win it, you know? Sometimes yeah. you got to take the L. Uh, as always, thank you to Bowman for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. If you have questions or complaints about Sonic Fox and the coin flip, send them to gaming at vice.com. Natalie Watson to work and people find you on the internet. At Natalie Watson on Twitter. Rob Zachney. At Rob Zachney. Danielle. At Danielle or I. There it is. You follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Follow Waypoint at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypointvice, youtube.com slash waypointvice, and twitch.tv slash waypoint. We're in just a little bit. We're going to be streaming a ton of Stellaris. So look forward to the archives of that later, <laughs> later this week. Yeah. By the time you listen to this, that'll have already happened. So. Yeah. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us. Danielle, what do we say? Be good. Be good at it. Peace. The city never sleeps, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.